0: Welcome to the oh, hey there. podcast. We are back. It is the offseason for the 49ers. There is one game left in the NFL season, um, and that is the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, the 49ers are not playing in it. We did see some flag football or 2 end touch this past weekend in the Pro Bowl, which was an absolute embarrassment for the product of the Pro Bowl, but whatever. Um, I'm back from the Senior Bowl, back from Mobile, Alabama, back in my home in Texas, but it's good to be back on the pod. Leo, what is up, buddy? How are you?
1: Typically, I would say I'm doing good, but you're you're the one that's got to be on cloud nine here with the senior bowl. Um, it was definitely FOMO watching you out there, seeing your coverage uh, because it was a different experience than last year. You were actually able to just go up to them, talk to them um, as we're slowly transitioning from this virus. Um, and with the Pro Bowl, I'll say this: just just make it a two hand touch, gamers or, or Seven on seven, like maybe maybe you switch it up because it's it's not working the way it is. Um like you could tell the the producers, commentators, they try so hard to like make the game sound exciting, but it's not exciting. Um <clears throat> maybe a seven on seven or something. It's just I, I really don't know how you fix a a tackling sport and make it soft for Pro Bowl reasons but I'm sure they can figure it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It is what it is. That is that is the the product that they're putting out there on Sundays or on Pro Bowl Sunday. It is what it is. Um the senior bowl, yeah, it was much different this year. Um a lot more access, a lot more uh availability with players. You could actually talk to them in the hotel this year. Uh, you know, the bar, the nightlife was actually much better this time around. Uh it is still mobile. Um so the nightlife isn't that popping, but there's stuff to do. Meet a lot of agents, scouts. You know, I sat on the plane with the Raiders scout for a little for my flight back to Texas. That was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, overall, it was a good experience. There's a lot of prospects. We'll go over those guys when the time comes. Draft season's here. We have a whole bunch of time to cover the draft. But a lot of stuff to cover We're in 49er land. Mike McDaniel is named the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, the 49ers. Received two third-round picks, one in this year's draft and one in next year's draft. Mike McDaniels has been a, you know, a lieutenant to Kyle Shanahan for God knows how long. Every every stop Kyle has been, McDaniel has been there. And now he is on his own in Miami looking to, you know, write his own path. Make his own name in the league as far as the head coach goes. Um... For those folks who aren't really sure what Mike McDaniels is, he was a run game coordinator basically the entire time in San Francisco and then became by default or by title only really the offensive coordinator for the 49ers in 2021. I don't know how much of the play calling he was doing, but I'm pretty sure he had a, uh, a voice in that offensive meetings or offensive uh, install with the run game and certain past concepts and things like that. So he did have a role with the 49ers. I'm just not certain exactly how large it was. Um, I do wish him the best of luck in Miami with, with, with what's going on with the Flores stuff. But for the 49ers, they do reap the benefit here of again, back to back years, having the ability to have a assistant coach poached off their team, but he's also a minority and with the rules here, the Niners will receive two third-round picks. And for 2022, that's a huge deal because Niners have picked 61 and 93, and then this conditional third. And we all know the Niners have some holes to fill with a really large free agency class.
1: Jose Sanchez wrote an article about like four players that, that Mike McDaniel could be looking at. And there's a couple that stand out to me because it's Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert. And we look, we know what Raheem Mostert looks like when he is healthy. And it seems like come week one, he should probably be able to play. Probably preseason camp, he should be good to go as well, considering he was itching to get back out there for this playoff run. But when you look at that Miami Dolphins running back room, they have Miles Gaskin. He could be a good Robin to a Raheem Mostert or even a Duke Johnson who I believe he may have some free agency questions himself but he I know he had a two touchdown game towards the end of the season for the Dolphins and he looked good when he started getting some run with them former hurricane so he probably felt like he was at home and so Raheem Mostert I, I think I find that one very very interesting because if you're Mike McDaniel run game coordinator how would you not love to have Raheem Mostert in there and essentially just help out your young quarterback into a Tago Viloa. Uh, so I think that's huge. Or even a Jeff Wilson Jr. Because Jeff Wilson Jr. is really good in pass protection. He can option route and it's fantastic. We've seen him burn the Cardinals a couple times with that. Um, so those are two guys that I look at specifically that can go ahead and be key contributors to a Mike McDaniel offense. Hence, it's running back considering what he did with the 49ers. I think there's no surprise there. But what you said, it's you like the landing spot when you look at the roster, the talent. You just hate the situation with, with Steven Ross being the owner there in Miami. And it seems like there's constant drama surrounding Steven Ross. So you hope for Mike McDaniel, who's one of the most genuine people out there, that Steven Ross doesn't bleed that dr- drama over to Mike McDaniel's tenure. Because once again, they have Tua who. Tua can be a version of Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you're a version of Jimmy Garoppolo, you could win a lot of games in this league. Now, can you win a Super Bowl? That's that's completely different. Um, but you could win a lot of games. And I think a lot of Miami fans will take consistency in getting to the playoffs and having winning records with the Tua, opposed to having to go out and get Jay Cutler for a year, things like that. They have Jalen Waddell, who is a stud of a wide receiver uh Devontae parker who's still there you have uh their tight end mike gusecki who's outstanding and he could play that george Kittle role because he can get in that pass protection i think you know him pretty well if i'm not wrong he went to penn state correct yeah he's a penn
0: state boy absolutely um yeah you know miami's got talent you know he's hoped for the best with mcdaniel's and it's, you not said the
1: it. it's not the niners it's not the, but the they niners they have
0: talent but you have a guy who is, who is you know, seen a lot, right? He has a lot of experience. For being a young coach, he has a lot of experience. You know, he, he dealt with the five years in San Francisco where the Niners are trying to turn it around, dealing with injuries, dealing with, you know, being able to sit there in the room, watch Kyle Shanahan navigate all these issues over the last five years with the roster, health issues, player contracts, big contracts to draft room. You know, he's been involved in all those things as a close player, So that's or as a close uh, cog in the, in the machine. So that's going to help transfer over, and I, I wish nothing but success for Mike McDaniel down there. I just hope that he can overcome what I feel is a bad franchise. Right? They are what the Niners were during the Tom Sula, Chip Kelly era. There's a lot of unnecessary drama, unnecessary stuff in the media, and hopefully, you know what what they are accused of uh, isn't true. But if it is, then you know there's other question marks there with the Miami Dolphins, but. Um, I wish Mike McDaniel nothing nothing but success here, um, and the Niners, you know, they reap the benefit of being rather progressive in their coaching staff, right? Keeping minorities on the staff, not for this pick reason, because this pick is only is new for the first two years. Kyle has been very very progressive with that. He's had um, a female coach on the roster who is also gay. You know, he's had his he minority coaches all throughout his staff. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really unique, um, set there. Jed York has always been, uh, one of the, one of the more philanthropic owners in the league. So it's a, it's a good spot for the Niners and it's a good spot for Mike McDaniel. Best of luck to him down there. Now, what that does do is leaves a void for the Niners, uh, as far as a run game coordinator, potentially offensive coordinator, and then just a voice in the room, in the room with Kyle Shanahan, where, Some of us, like you and I, may think Kyle might be a little stubborn, right? You may need somebody to be like, hey, Kyle, let's not do that, right? Um, So what the Niners did do is they brought in Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn, former head coach of the Chargers, um, run game coordinator across the league. He was a former 49ers running back. Um, Another big, big voice in the room who will help with this 49ers run game. And I think I got excited about this hire on my flight back from mobile to texas and it came up because i paid for the wi-fi on the on the plane i don't know why i did that it's like 40 bucks
1: dude jeez i remember when i went it was 15 <laughs>
0: it was it was 28 dollars on american I, but i was like i needed to stay connected
1: <laughs> um money bags you you could afford it though
0: i have this weird uh thing about flying on the plane if i can't text my wife you know god forbid anything happens you know what i mean tell her um but I saw it come across my timeline. I'm like, oh, wow, Anthony Lynn, that's a big deal. And I got excited about it for Trey Sermon. I got excited about it for Aaron Banks. And I got excited for that hire because of Trey Lance. Part of those reasons because the Tyrod Taylor dynamic, right? The Anthony Lynn was a run game coordinator, um, offensive coordinator. He was a head coach with those players similar to those guys in style. And can they... Can Anthony Lynn offer a different type of run game for the 49ers in 2022? The Niners are much very or very much a you know toss zone, outside zone run game. Can they go to a more gap scheme? Can they go to a little more power? Um that's where Banks, Sermon, and Trey Lance come into place. And I think our guy Jordan Elliott has been pretty much on this since the draft that those three players, those two Sermon and Banks were kind of specifically drafted for With Trey Lance and maybe this Anthony Lynn hire helps accentuate those two pieces um, in an offense that's, that's keeps developing year after year.
1: That's a very good find there. And I, I, yeah, if that's what helps the 49ers and that's what helps Trey Lance. And then I'm all for it with the change. And that's what you need. You need someone with a different voice. You need someone with a different perspective uh, because where the 49ers struggled with their offense. We talked about this before we started recording. They were 11th in DVOA out of all playoff teams. There's 14 of them. So they were 11 out of 14. Um, And a big part of that is they couldn't get the round game going. They couldn't get it going. So maybe you get a different voice in there. You get a different perspective. And what I like about Anthony Lane, it's just not that he's a different voice. It's that he's had success where he has gone. yes. Detroit Lions is a different story. That's, you know, that's Detroit. Uh, You look at where he was with the chargers top 10 passing unit all four years that he was there. He was OC and, and run game coordinator with the Buffalo bills before that number one team in, in rushing. They got to the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. And a big piece of that was because of the rushing game. Um, so, while he's a different voice it's he's had success in this league and he's someone that is very likely could be a head coach once again he has a 12 and 4 season under his resume with the chargers and that was with philip rivers at freaking quarterback if he had another year with justin herbert who knows maybe he could have been an upgrade over brandon staley and they would be in the playoffs because maybe anthony lynn doesn't take that time out and just go for the tie against the Raiders last game of the season. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Anthony Lynn is pretty bad at time management. He
1: he, he is pretty bad. He, that's one of the big reasons why he was fired. Um, It wasn't production of the offense. It was just the management side of the things, time management, uh, decision-making on why he found his way out the door. But he's someone that I think could be a head coach yet again. And if you could put, someone like that on your staff who has a successful resume that was a, a running back with mike shanahan himself uh I, I think that's setting up the 49ers for success down the future um and he's able to tell you that he sees that necessarily kyle doesn't see because they see the running game quite little a little bit different you have gap compared outside zone and if you can mesh those two things and you could get Aaron Banks flowing with that, Mike McGlinchey, hopefully he's able to come back um, because of that. He does have a serious injury. Um, So we'll see what happens, but I think this is, it's tough when you lose Mike McDaniel. I don't think he's someone that you could plug in and replace, but the 49ers got the closest thing with it with Anthony Lynn.
0: Yeah. And to add to the Anthony Lynn thing, I think part of it is it kind of goes to the quarterback. Um, and the last time he had a, a guy who can move, you know, and Philip Rivers wasn't a guy that could move, right, towards the end of his career. And Herbert, he, he is a mobile guy when he needs to be. Um, but you go back to 2016, Tyrod Taylor, as a runner, right, that year um, under Anthony Lynn, he had 95 attempts for 580 yards and six touchdowns. Right. And that's, we, we all watched Trey Lance, and, you know, part of the draft process was his ability to move outside the pocket, utilize him in the run game. We heard that all of 2021, uh, how Kyle wanted to use him in the run game, et cetera, et cetera. And we can kind of tell during the season, in the, in the two starts that, that Lance had, that he wasn't quite comfortable running the ball, right? Or that Kyle wasn't quite um, calling the plays in a proper sequence to get Lance in the move. And this is also where Anthony Lynn comes in and helps out as an assistant coach and potentially as a running back coach or potentially as just a run game coordinator because we don't know how long Bobby Turner's going to be around. He's 72 years old. So there's another thing there um, with this Anthony Lynn hire that that can benefit the 49ers in a whole bunch of ways. Um, now, I don't want Anthony Lynn calling fourth quarter timeouts and, and <laughs> managing the clock, but I do trust him to enough to understand the nuance of the run game And his ability to add to Kyle Shanahan's outside zone when with the Trey Sermon, the Aaron Banks, and then of course the Trey Lance portion of it, and of course Elijah Mitchell is still here. So um, I think he's going to be able to maximize this running game. He's also probably going to be able to uh, get a little bit more out of Trey Lance as the runner, right? That he is, and the ability that he shows as a a mobile guy. Um, Because we, I think, me and you agree here that Lance looks to throw first and run second. Um, but if the Niners need him to run as a design run, this is where Anthony Lynn comes into play. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. You know, he was an assistant, special teams assistant in, in, uh, from 2000 to 2002 in Denver. Running back coach in Jacksonville from 20, 2003 to 2004. Running back coach, 2005 to 2006 in Dallas. Running back coach in Cleveland, 2007 to He was the running back coach in uh, New York for the Jets from 2009 to 2014 assistant head coach in 2013-2014 as the Jets. And then, of course, the uh, interim head coach, uh, running back coach, offensive coordinator in Buffalo from 2015 to 2016. And then he was with the Chargers for three years. And then last year, Detroit. Detroit was just a dumpster fire for the most part. And now, presently, as the assistant head coach to the 49ers. We don't know what the other titles are for him, but I think it's a really smart hire. I think it shows Kyle Shanahan's Willingness to grow, I think it shows Kyle Shanahan's commitment to this Trey Lance development project. Um it shows commitment to just making sure they're getting the best out of their players by putting good coaches around them. Um, so I, I really like this hire. We'll see how this all plays out, but I think Anthony Lynn was a home
1: run hire. Home run hire and hopefully a home run in the ground game as well, right? Um, the biggest thing you said there with Trey Lance is, if he doesn't develop to a josh allen level quarterback i i think he'll be fine and that's okay um because i like you said he looks to throw first and if you look to throw first and scramble second i think that's huge uh in this game now in football you're keeping your eyes downfield players get lost and you find them deep like where Jimmy should have found Brandon Hugh down the sideline in fourth quarter in L.A. I don't mean to bring up that play again, but it lives rent-free in my head because um, I know Trey Lance would have taken that shot, or I should say Trey Lance-style quarterback would have taken that shot, someone who likes to stretch the ball downfield. But when you do run the ball with Trey Lance, like you said, it, hiring Anthony Lynn is going to help out with that. Um, Trey Sermon, it's someone that we've been waiting for, waiting for, to see when is Kyle going to play him. Is Trey Sermon in the doghouse? Well, Trey Sermon's going to fit fit an Anthony Lynn run system better. And what you pointed out time over time again on this podcast is look who Trey Sermon has played with in college. He's played with Kyler Murray. He's played with Justin Fields. He's played with those style quarterbacks. And now it's Trey Lance's time. And with it being Trey Lance's time, that means it's Trey Sermon's time. I'm someone who's always going to be an advocate to bring back Raheem Mostert. I don't know how you can't be, because it's a one-play touchdown. Um, But the question is, is he going to be available? Um, That's the biggest thing, is availability with Raheem Mostert. But even if he's not on this team, you got Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, I think both of them could fit what Anthony Lynn does. And I think you do need a little more out of a secondary back. And that's what makes this key is now you get Trey Sermon as a secondary back because we saw Elias Mitchell with all them injuries kind of weigh him down in the playoffs. Granted, the the running lanes weren't quite there. Sometimes it looks like it was there available, but the dude was really banged up at the end of the year. So if you get a guy that fits Anthony Lynn's system and that guy is Trey Sermon, I think that could really, really help out this offense. So that's what I mean. Like, There's no replacing Mike McDaniel, but Anthony Lynn is the closest thing to it.
0: I would love to see Mostert back. Um, he is a home run anytime he touches the ball. But when you add that to the threat of potentially Trey Lance being using his feet, it makes it even more difficult. We go back to the Raiders pregame, uh, preseason game. We saw the Niners utilize Trey Lance mobility as a threat just to hold that backside linebacker, just to hold that defensive end that's crashing down, and there goes Mostert right out of there. Or the other way around, they'd crash on the running back, and you have a wide open lane for Trey Lance to make a play. So those things are all going to be there. It's an exciting time in San Francisco. Even if they did not make it to the Super Bowl, there's a lot to look forward to. Um, the Niners, are going through a transition, right? This is the transition we talked about during the 3-5 and five stretch. That this was coming. Anyone who was paying attention would, would have known that coaching changes were coming, right? QB coach for the 49ers, you know, from, from some reports or just some t- topics of discussion, Rich Gangarello is probably out. So the Niners are going to need another quarterback coach. We'll get to that. Um, Richard Hightower took the job with the Chicago Bears. So the Niners need a special teams coach. So we're going to lump these two together here. Um, two names for the special teams unit. Joe Judge, formerly of the New York Giants, the head coach, who was a special teams guy for Bill Belichick for many years, and Darren, Darren Rizzi of the New Orleans Saints. Now, Bruce Allen, or Dennis Allen, excuse me, was hired today for the Saints, and we're not certain how their staff's going to shake out. But Darren Rizzi is a name that came up just looking, doing some research, and Joe Judge was the other. Those are two special team coaches um, that I think the Niners should be looking at. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Joe Judge um, just because he comes off as an ass. Sorry, Rob. Um, that, I don't think that's a culture fit for the way the Niners run their team, right? Of course, they have guys who are pretty tough on their players and things like that, but there's a culture that this Niners team is building, and Joe Judge doesn't seem like that type of guy. Darren Rizzi is uh, the Saints special team coordinator, and I think he'd be a good fit. We've seen the, the Saints run... Some trick plays. We've seen them have really great coverage units. We've seen them find gems in the return game. And I think that's the value of a special teams coach. Those guys who can find the returners, who can um, do very well with the coverage game on the kick returns. and I'm sorry, kick coverage and punt coverage. And Darren Rizzi's squad has always been pretty darn good. Um, That's a name that I would really, really like since Rich Passaccia has uh, ended up in in Green Bay.
1: I personally like Joe Chosch as well. Because whenever you get former head coaches in your building, that means these guys are built with accountability, they're built with integrity. Um, they've been through the mud and now they're rising back. And I like that. I like people that have been through challenges and trying to show them like, hey, I'm not done in this league. I am built to be a head coach once again. and that's what I like and Joe judge, everything the team sucked, they sucked the new york giants are terrible but every account that you hear from in regards to joe judge as a coach as a person everybody raves about it. i haven't heard one negative thing about joe judge as a coach ever it comes from a bill belichick's uh farm so if you could go ahead and get a joe judge in this building this this special teams is going to be a lot better than being a 26 dvoa Uh, that they were this past season or 20, what was it? 23rd, the season before uh, they were 20 in the twenties, two years in a row. This unit was, if you get a Joe judge, I guarantee you this is going to be a top 15 unit in the NFL when it comes to DVOA. So Joe judge don't hear anything negative about him. Someone who got fired as a head coach. So, you know, they want to bring their name back out of the mud and, and they recently got fired this past season. So they're they're gonna be fired up more than ever after that process will be this year. So bring me Joe Judge. I'll be so happy with that hiring.
0: Yeah, I'm just out on Joe Judge. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I love how I say all that. You're like, eh,
0: nothing. I you. mean, the jet, the Giants were ranked 11th this past year in special teams DBOA, which is which is fine. Um, New Orleans was 16th, but I think part of the New Orleans thing. Um, the hidden points here—they were ranked 12th. Versus the Giants were ranked 27th, which is minus seven and a half points. The New Orleans Saints were plus four and a half points. So that's the type of value that the that the Saints special teams unit was bringing to um, to the overall team. You know, to the Saints team. So that unit was a, a net positive, right? Based on their average uh, yards. Um, I'm sorry, average field position and then just how many points would come off those returns or punt returns or punt defenses and things like that, what they're, you know, they're, they're, they were a net positive. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just going with a guy like that. And part of it is I think the Joe Judge thing, it ended very poorly in New York, um, just some of his attitude. He gave off a lot of just uh, lack of accountability vibes for me. So I, I would disagree with you on the Joe Judge thing. But if if, if he was to come to San Francisco, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not going to you know, have a a hissy fit about it. But I I would prefer to go with the Darren Rizzi of the world. But that is something that Kyle Shanahan and this front office are going to figure out because they do need some coaches right now. Uh, They're getting poached and some guys just leaving on their own accord. Um, The other part of it is Trey Lance. right? We talked about Anthony Lynn, his value to the team as an assistant head coach. I don't think he's going to be the quarterback coach. I think he's going to be more associated with the run game. The 49ers need to figure out what they're going to do at offensive coordinator, just the title, not really you know, giving someone the ability to call plays because we know McDaniels didn't do that. Um, but the quarterback coach, because if Rich Gangarello is gone, which I kind of hope he is, I don't I don't know what he actually brings to the team, and I, I, I don't want to make that sound like it's uh, – I don't want it to be taken the wrong way, but no one's ever improved under him. He was in Philadelphia, nothing. Denver, nothing. San Francisco, nothing. Um, two names, three names actually that came up. Pep Hamilton was one. That was a big one when the Anthony Lynn hire happened. Ronald Curry, also QB coach of the Saints. Drew Brees, Jameis Winston got better. Taysom Hill had improved. And John DiFilippo. Those are the three names that I would like the 49ers to have at least interviewed or have discussed about being the quarterback coach uh, for, this, for the 49ers with Trey Lance, who is going to need... As much development as possible. And, and guys who have shown to have worked with players have gotten better with those coaches. So, Flip was part of the Eagles team when they went to the Super Bowl, who was a big factor in Carson Wentz's career early on. Ronald Curry in New Orleans obviously worked with Drew Brees. Jameis Winston improved. And then we all saw the improve, some improvements in Taysom Hill. Sometimes guys are who they are. And then Pep Hamilton, he's highly regarded as an offensive mind. He's highly regarded as a quarterback coach. Why not put the best guys around what you invested so much in with Trey Lance?
1: Can I throw someone, another name in the pot? Of course, Leo. This is completely out of left field, but there's connections. Richard Flowers, QB Collective, Sage Rosenfeld. Sage? I'm down. I'm down with Sage. QB Collective, that's obviously worth Shanahan, McVeigh, Mike McDaniels, all where they, they huddle up. The, uh, from Richard Richard Flowers, who's their agent, um, Sage Rosenfels does a lot of that work with them. And that's why you heard last year during draft season, Sage say there ain't no way Kyle Shanahan's taking Mac Jones. Obviously, Sage was right. Um, so he knows what Kyle Shanahan wants. And it, it wouldn't be the first time that Shanahan puts a former player that he coached that was on his roster on his coaching staff. That he wouldn't be the first one. He has Leonard Hankerson now, uh, that he coached with in Washington, Um, or not that he coached with, but that he coached. And Leonard Hankerson was in Washington, and Hankerson was also in Atlanta. Uh, Rosenfelds was in Houston with Shanahan, so he understands Shanahan. He knows what Shanahan wants out of his offense and his team. Um, So I'm going to say Sage Rosenfelds. They come from that same QB collective uh, umbrella. And that's just someone completely out of left field who doesn't have a current ties to an NFL team. Um, that I'm sure if Shanahan called him and said, hey, here's this full-time role to be a quarterback coach, I, I find it very hard for Sage Rosenfels to say no in developing and becoming the guy to uplift uh, Trey Lance, much like Pep Hamilton, who a lot of people are hot on, uh, uplifted uh, Andrew Luck's career as well as Justin Herbert's career. And even Davis Mills um, made him look better than what everyone projected him to be, including myself. Leo, so, um, <laughs> maybe, come on, I, the guy's still, he's still not there. He still has a long way to go. So I know. Um, Sage Rosenfels is someone that I, I think if Shanahan called, he fits. He knows what Shanahan wants. I, I I'm th- basically trying to throw a runner out from third going home with this name drop, but I think it fits.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed, right? We the Niners want to have a certain certain uh philosophy taught and Sage would know that, right? Cuz that's most of what these QB Collective guys um run, right? Richmond Flowers is, has is the agent for most of these guys and he has started a QB Collective for those of you who don't know, just check that out www.qbcollective.com and you'll see it. It is like it it'll just throw it it's literally right in your face on what they have built. They have built this little you know, little army of bunch of Mike McDaniel's um, and their offensive schemes and philosophies um, and the way they want to teach the play the quarterback, the run game, offensive line stuff. It's a very, very in-depth process for uh, coaching and teaching QBs and things like that. So Sage would be ideal. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But there's there's a lot of things, that, a lot of spots to fill in the coaching staff, a lot of spots to fill in the roster. Um, one guy who is probably not going to be on the roster, Jimmy Garoppolo. He is likely going to be traded. Jimmy Garoppolo, before he ended his press conference, thanked the fans. Um, pretty emotional when he when he said that. Um, thanked the media. He also said, you know, that the 49ers front office was very transparent, and he had mentioned something about, you know, in a few weeks, next coming days, that something would happen as far as Jimmy Garoppolo being on the move. This was your topic, Leo. You said Jimmy G landing spots in the text message. Where do you think Jimmy Garoppolo lands? I have an idea, but I want to hear yours first.
1: There's two options that stand out to me. One more so than the other. The first one, uh, so the less standout-ish, would be New Orleans Saints. And if they decide to what we don't want to continue with Jameis winston we want to go with jimmy g and the saints are essentially a jimmy g away from being in the playoffs granted they were there they were on the trajectory with Jameis winston i get that um but who would you rather have in your locker room as as your quarterback one when it comes to a personality standpoint jimmy g guys tend to to go with jimmy g a lot more than they would with a with the Jamie Swinston. So if, if the saints had Jimmy this past year, they're probably a 10 win team. They're probably in the playoffs and they're going to have a lot of that same unit next year. Hopefully Alvin Kamara's uh, situation gets cleared up for both parties, not just Alvin, both parties. Hopefully that gets cleared up. So you're looking at Jimmy G having Alvin Kamara in the backfield. That maybe might, Michael Thomas. That's why I said, maybe, you know, maybe <laughs> Alvin Kamara in the backfield, maybe Michael Thomas. Now that Sean Payton's gone, that Michael Thomas will be comfortable to stay. You have him at wide receiver. Callaway has shown a couple things. Uh, Devonte Harris, while he's not this, you know, wide receiver one or wide receiver two guy, but he could fit a gadget style. He could do end of rounds. He could do these short screens for Jimmy G, and the guy has track speed. He's able to create that that yak yardage that that gets ran in a Jimmy G's offense. Um, and then their defense is electric. Cameron Jordan, um, they have Marshawn Lattimore. They have ballers on the, their defense is going to be competitive year in, year out, and they have the same coordinator, essentially. He's now their head coach and Dennis Allen. You mentioned that earlier. So the Saints is a really attractive spot for Jimmy G, where he says he wants to go to a place to win. That's them. They have the surrounding cast. They could go ahead and win now. And then the other one, the one that I think is just more logical, would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're a playoff defense. They're a division title defense, much similar to the Saints. Uh, And then when you look at their, their weapons on offense, it's more attractive. Because you have a claypool, you have a um, their wide receiver who just made the Pro Bowl this year,
0: Deontay Johnson.
1: Deontay Johnson, the guy you Najin. got a Najee Harris. You know the guy I loved pre-draft process. Um, you have Friermuth, wh- who is your guy out of Penn State. Um, so it, look what they were able to do with Big Ben. The point that of Big Ben's career, Jimmy G is double than that. He is double what Big Ben was in that point of Big Ben's career. So you put him in Pittsburgh, they're 11 wins. Year in, year out, albeit health. They're 11-win team, 12-win team. They're fighting for the division year in and year out if you put Jimmy Garoppolo on that team. And when you look at both of these teams, this is why it stands out to, to me. The biggest thing with Jimmy Garoppolo is his health. If he has to miss two, three games in New Orleans, they have Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill could start you two to three games. You don't want him starting 17. He could start you two to three. You go to Pittsburgh. Mason Rudolph has a winning record with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if you need him to start you two to three, Mason Rudolph could do that. You do not want Mason Rudolph starting 17. So based on the formula of those two teams, defense stacked. Weapons on offense, Pittsburgh more so than New Orleans. A backup that could start you two to three games. Those are probably the most logical spots. Teams that are not going to want to draft first round quarterback, but will give up day two capital.
0: And I'm going to go to completely different teams. Let me hear it Miami is one.
1: <sighs> See, Denver
0: I... <laughs> is the other. I say Miami.
1: Talk about it. I'm going to disagree heavy on this one, That's but fine. talk about it. I
0: Listen, Mike McDaniel is going to want to win now, right? And when I say win now, I said it earlier, have some equity with the fan base, have some equity at the front office. Whether it's eight, nine wins, he can do that. I am not a Tua fan, right? I don't, I don't believe the hype around Tua. Um, and McDaniel is going to want to install his offense. And the easiest way to install his offense is to have a guy – He is very familiar with. So that is where Jimmy Garoppolo comes into play. Also, if Miami were to poach or just hire Rich Scangarello, Jimmy Garoppolo was an advocate to bring Scangarello to the Niners in the 2021 season. Would Jimmy Garoppolo accept a trade to Miami to follow Rich? Which is very, very possible. The other team, the Denver Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett, similar offense to what Jimmy Garoppolo is used to. You have plenty of weapons, decent offensive line, decent defense. Uh, They have the money. And are the Denver Broncos going to wait around to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers? I don't think so. Because you can't wait forever, right? The draft will pass you up. Free agency will pass you up. There just doesn't make too much sense for Denver just to sit on their hands the entire time and do that. And with Nathaniel Hackett, that offense is very similar to what Kyle Shanahan runs, of course, is another QB collective guy, he was under LaFleur. LaFleur came from Kyle, and obviously Kyle with his father. So the offense is similar with their own wrinkles to it. So those would be my two, Miami and Denver. And I think I think Denver is more realistic than any of the other options that are out there right now.
1: See, the, the thing is with Denver – I think they're a team that will pull the trigger late. That That's my, my thing with Denver. I think they're going to, with Nathaniel Hackett, that connection with Aaron Rodgers, he's going to sit and wait that situation out and try to get a big guy like Aaron Rodgers. Um, this time last year, Matthew Stafford was flipped. And it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo wants this thing to be Wrapped up pretty soon based off his press conference. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo wants this to bleed out. So the 49ers are going to be working the phones. Uh, So that's my only concern with Denver. Besides that, it's a fantastic fit. It's not the defense of the Saints or the Steelers by any margins, but they're a serviceable defense. And they have weapons on offense. Weapons. Devontae Williams, who I loved out of this past draft. Jerry Judy, who a lot of people thought he was going to be a 49er. Um, you got Tim Patrick, who I played against in high school. He couldn't cover me um at all, but he's in the NFL and I'm here talking podcasts. How you know, I guess that's how it works out. Um and so they have Hamlin as well. They have weapons over there in Denver. So that's a great fit. I just don't know if it if that situation is able to, you know. A decision for Jimmy Garoppolo or wait it out for Aaron Rodgers. And then secondly, it's just Miami. How much does Jimmy Garoppolo push the needle over Tua to me? Uh, like, is he going to give, are, are the dolphins really going to give up day two capital?
0: I mean, they have three first round picks in or this basically draft. for
1: Jimmy. They, they have to give up one. day two capital when they have Tua. Like is Jimmy that much more of an upgrade over Tua that much, I would see. We, s- we saw these playoffs. He he went five straight games to end the season under a 100 passer rating. Tua had a couple games this year where he went completely off. He went off, and yeah. on top of that, you got you got a rookie contract out of Tua. You don't, you're not going to get that luxury with Jimmy. You're going to have to actually renegotiate a long term, whether long term is three to four years. You're going to have to renegotiate that contract for Jimmy. It's just you're giving up day two capital plus plus finances to go ahead and get this guy when you have Tua already in the building and then you make that move. What are you going to get for Tua? You're going to give up more for Jimmy than you're going to get in return for Tua. Um, So does it make sense in terms of a scheme, Uh, the playmakers that they have over there in Miami, they got some pieces on, on defense. Yeah, that makes sense, but it's, I don't think he pushes the needle that much more than Tua um when looking at it like Tua has had a 90 passer rating this year he had 16 touchdowns to 10 interceptions so it's not eye popping um uh, but it's pretty similar to what Jimmy Garoppolo did this year
0: so i'm looking at the Miami Dolphins draft picks and the Miami Dolphins have pick 29 pick 50 101 119 123 157
1: and you also figure Miami is going to be a lot better on the ground this year than they were last year. Last year, they were 30th in rushing yards in the NFL, 30th in rushing yards. Um, So they're going to be, a, they were 31st in yards per attempt. You figure that's going to change quite a bit with Mike McDaniel and it, if you were already able to get to a 9-8 and record and you started out, what, 1-7 at that point, and in that stretch, Tua was your quarterback, you'd figure that they're probably going to go with Tua again since they finished the season 8-1 and with Tua as their quarterback. And that's with a 30th rushing offense. 8-1 with Tua, 30th rushing offense. I don't know if you do that with Jimmy.
0: That's fair. But I just want that pick 29 back. So it's me being
1: greedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, get it. I get it. Believe me, I get it. If anybody wants to link Miami, I get it. I just don't want to get. I just don't want to get that in my head. I don't see them as an option. Yeah, at but the I end, get. I get the scenario.
0: At the end of the day, I think, I think Denver is the most realistic location. Denver is probably the most realistic location out of all the teams
1: well what's what's Teddy bridgewater's cap hit? he's gotta have something on there um so it's, not enough to it. defer you
0: from taking Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: Let me see i'm gonna go ahead and pull up Teddy bridgewater's cap hit but i don't I don't know if they okay so it looks like he's got a one year four million four point four cap hit oh no no i'm mistaken he's a he's a free agent
0: so exactly he's a free agent exactly. So, so let's, look at, let's look at the Denver Broncos real quick, right? Let's just say the Niners want a second-round pick, but they'll accept a third, right? So the, the, the Denver Broncos have two seconds, pick 40, pick 64, and then the third-rounders pick 75. Would the Niners be happy with pick 75 when they're picking 61 and then to get 75 back?
1: Um. Yeah.
0: Just think about that draft position. That is, the Niners would have three top 100 picks in this coming draft.
1: This draft is deep. and In the middle. Yeah, it's deep in the middle. And where the 49 I I would like them to be at is, to me, if you could get that three to four, four is really hard to do. But if you could get those three top 100 draft picks, ooh. That's a game changer. That's a game changer if you get three top 100 draft picks. Four is kind of like a pipe dream because that's basically every 25 selections. There's more than 25 teams in this league. Um, So if you could get four or three, it got to be the goal for the 49ers in this situation because that's where a lot of these teams are are going to either make it the next two to three, four years with these draft picks is going to be in that second and third round. And I believe that heavily. And then some's going to bleed over in the fourth as well.
0: This is going to be fun. This Jimmy Garoppolo stuff never ends until he's finally gone. Um, um, but there are some really good options for Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers have... I don't think the 49ers could have asked for a better situation the way it all played out. You get to the NFC title game. You kind of maintained a level of value for Jimmy, right? And then, of course, the quarterback class isn't very good. And then no one knows it's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. And teams don't want to, um, to quote the great Kyle Shanahan, be left at the altar at the in the QB market. And Jimmy Garoppolo, if Russell and Aaron Rodgers are not moved, then Jimmy Garoppolo becomes target number one in this market. I would have to believe that. There's, I mean, I would take Jimmy over Mitch and Teddy and a couple other guys that would be free agents yeah, or, or available absolutely. pieces. Um, so if Russell or Rodgers is not moved, then Jimmy becomes target number one for a lot of teams.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. And and it's not like Javi and, and I want to sit here every single week and talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. But once again, Matthew Stafford was I'm moved. I'm over it, by the way. Was, Matthew Stafford was moved earlier than we're sitting here in February. He was moved last January, Matthew Stafford was. So these things could happen quickly. Like, it does not have to be March when the new league year comes. So we're going to get the conversations in now. I, I I don't expect this to bleed over to May. I don't expect it to bleed over to June. Uh, so let's get these conversations over with now and talk about what fits and talks what the 49ers can get back in return. And if you you could end up with three top 100 picks, ooh, that's Our a win. that doesn't have a first-round pick? That's Ooh, a win. That's a big win. And, Huge.
0: You know, for those who are paying attention, who, who enjoy this stuff, March 16th is the new league year. The Niners can agree to, in principle, to uh, any trade with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but it will not be executed or formal until March 16th. Um, last thing before we get out of here, Leo, we bring bringing back the buy-walk-lease. I'm going to let you run this segment. What do you got, Leo?
1: Yes, sir. So... Buy walk, buy, walk, lease. And how I want to state it is, once again, for anyone that's new to listing, <clears throat> buying means it's kind of buy or sell, but in a different fashion. It's This is in a car finance fashion. So buying, that means Javi is going to invest into it. He believes into it. He's going to invest into it, whatever the topic is. Leasing means... He's going to table it. He's not sure if he wants a, a long-term invest with it. He likes it. He wants to drive it around a few times, but he, he's not sure if he's ready to go all in on it. And then walking the lot means, you know, Javi just, he thinks it's complete BS. He wants no part of it uh, and a conversation. Don't talk to me about it again. So in the buy lease walk-off, 49ers will move up and make two second-round picks.
0: Ooh, I'm buying this one.
1: Okay, talk to me.
0: So, at the Senior Bowl, um, this class is deep at edge, center. I'm sorry, at edge and uh, secondary. So, I have been on board with this for a while. I'm not the biggest Hufanga fan. The Niners need to get a safety, and if they can get a safety at 61, that'd be ideal. And if they can get back into the second round by maybe using pick 75 from Denver that got them Jimmy Garoppolo and the comp pick for the uh, hiring of McDaniels to get back into the back end of the second round, or maybe pairing 61 with their comp third to move up in the second and then get back in. Um, I absolutely believe the Niners can and should get into the second round to take a guy like um, Bofi from Minnesota. What about Arnold Ebiketti from Penn state? Um, uh, Cameron, um... oh my God, I, his name escapes Casey San Diego State edge rusher, right? Or what about? Oh, yes. What about I an offensive Cameron Thomas? Yeah, Cam Thomas, right? What about another? What about an offensive lineman like Sean Ryan out of UCLA, right? What about getting a center in the second round? do you want to max up. You want to get the best player available if you can. Um, the Niners have holes. Yes, they need as many picks as possible. But if you can get really good players early on in the draft, those are a little bit more valuable than those seventh, sixth, and seventh round picks. Um, so I would absolutely think that they should, and I think they could get back into the second round depending on what they net for Jimmy Garoppolo. Hopefully they net a second rounder so then they don't have to trade up in the second round. Then you just have two second round picks and you just do what you need to do. Um, but yeah, absolutely, I'm buying
1: this. So you're you're walking straight over to finance, putting the papers down and say, "I'm I'm financing this thing. I'm buying it. Two second round picks. Let's talk about the next subject then." You said it. 49ers are going to receive top 64 pick in return for Jimmy Garoppolo. That means a first or a second.
0: Uh, I'm going to I'm probably going to walk
1: the okay. Here. Talk to me.
0: I just don't know that it, 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 there's too many variables with this one, right? It's like when you go to a car dealership, the numbers aren't agreeable right away, right? This is kind of we're waiting on some other other circumstances. You know, what happens with Aaron Rodgers? What happened with Russell Wilson? Um, how does the rest of the draft process shake out, right? Um, what is Jimmy Garoppolo's contract demands at his new stop? Those things play a role into that. So I'm not certain the Niners can get a top 60 pick for Jimmy, because if you think about it, Jimmy was selected at the back end of the second round when he was initially drafted. Then he was traded for the 46 pick. And then just to say, let's just say he gets traded for pick 52. That means he's maintained a second round level, uh, compensation all the way through. And that that's unheard of. Um, he hasn't gone better. He hasn't gone worse. He stayed the same as a player and that'd be crazy to stay pretty much level. All the way across the board with a you know with draft picks and his selection and trading for and all those things with that. So I'm going to walk on that one.
1: It's different when you're drafted in the first round, like a uh, Forrest Buckner or Brandon Cooks traded for a million first round picks. Um, it's different because when you're a first round guy, you're a first round guy that's pretty established. But when you're not selected in the first round. It's pretty unheard of to get dried uh traded over and over for your original round pick. Um it's like putting on original round tenders on these guys. Lastly, this is a big topic, best Mexican import beer. It is that Modelo.
0: Um man man If I had to rank them, cuz I live in Texas, right? we can go to the border and get Mexican beer from Mexico. Like I'll get Modelo from Mexico, which tastes different than the stuff that's imported. It's really weird. I don't know why it comes in a gold can. It's Um, like
1: that. Have you ever had Doritos from Mexico?
0: Yes. They're different.
1: Completely different. Way better too.
0: Right. Crazy. It's nuts. Why aren't these Doritos here? I don't know. They, they probably got something else. They're, they're laced with something. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I will say I'm going to push back on the more known brand I'm gonna go with Victoria. Victoria is my go-to Mexican beer. If I had to rank it, it's Victoria, then and then Modelo. Those are my two.
1: For me, I'm I'm actually going with <sighs> Estrellas Jalisco. I had to think about it for a second.
0: That's really good. Those are really good. I'm, I'm
1: going with that. It's it's a little it's a little sweet. Um,
0: there's no bad aftertaste either.
1: There's no bad aftertaste. Uh that that's probably my favorite Mexican import beer. It used to be you know, it used to be. But Estrellas is definitely number one now. For whatever reason, um just had like a family and I've and now I, when I see that as an option for Mexican, I'm just like, All right, give me that. It helps when Costco down the street for me. That's what they have in a twenty four pack for like twenty bucks. So it's just like, Okay, yep, can't sign beat me it. Up. this is this is my import <laughs> and uh it, it's literally one of those it, it, it's sweet without a bad taste to where i don't even need a lime in it that yeah. to me that's how that's how good it is um but that's for mexican imports obviously my beer of choosing would be an ipa but based on the dad bod and you see i actually shaved my beard off for the first time in like six weeks or six years excuse me and you see how chubby i got i blame the beer so you know what um may have to slow back that down a bit i can't i can't do the seltzers but i i would walk the lot on the modello and finance the estrellas yeah
0: I'm, i'm i'm uh financing the victorias absolutely um we will be back this is the off season we'll be back we're gonna give you content as much as possible during the week speaking of content At Niners Nation Podcast, Um, Rob Stats Guerrero has a star-studded week lined up for everybody here. Make sure you're following at NN Podcast on Twitter. Um, Make sure you're following myself, Leo, Rob, um, Levin, KP, Akash. Rob has assembled Trey Lance, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and the Greatest cornerback of all time, talk to a wall because I will not hear it. Deion Sanders will all be um, on the Niners Nation podcast network this week. Uh, stay tuned for that. Rob has got all those things lined up for y'all. Um, he did want us to let y'all know if you had any questions for these players to make sure you at Niners at NN Podcast on Twitter ask your question. Rob will try to get to it. Or if you need to at me or Leo or at Rob Stats Guerrero on um, on Twitter and he'll be able to get those questions asked for Debo Kittle Dion and Trey Lance as he can get as many as possible as he can so make sure you do that and make sure you're tuned in um, those podcasts will be released later this week stay tuned for that but as always I'm Javi that is Leo make sure you're following everything at Niners Nation make sure you're following at NN Podcast. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at JavierVague underscore and follow my guy Leo here at?
1: Leo Luna 93, Twitter, Instagram, let me know.
0: And we have a long offseason ahead of us. Um, Before we get out of here, Leo, who's winning the Super Bowl?
1: I'm going to be cheering for the Bengals, but it's probably the Rams.
0: Yeah, I'm going for Joey Burr, but I I think Matthew Stafford gets it done.
1: Yeah, I think that defensive line, like that team's hungry. So are the Bengals, so are the Bengals, but I just think – that that rams defensive line is probably going to be too much for the Bengals offensive line
0: yeah that's that i think that's gonna be the deciding factor on this game um so nfc west they win it cool if they don't i will um but until next week everyone stay tuned we have a lot of content coming i'm going to try my best to get some of these prospects on the show here as well for that if you have any draft prospects you'd like us to talk to i will do my best to reach out to them again Shoot those those messages or just uh, add us on on Twitter. And we'll do our best to get that taken care of for you. As always, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Subscribe, rate, review. It does help us out. And uh, we'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. Peace.